Hi there, and welcome to Radio Free Bay Ridge. We are back after a multiple month hiatus dealing with coronavirus and all kinds of other stuff. Um, <laughs> someone's excited to be back, not just for Very these excited. last couple of months. But Very excited. Is that Rachel I hear on the other end? Yeah, it is. Oh my gosh, Rachel. I am back. Welcome back, Rachel. No. In time for our 50th episode. Holy <laughs> shit. Um, yeah, we're bringing the band back together probably for the foreseeable future. And we have something really important that we wanted to do for our 50th episode. First off, I just got to apologize for the couple of month delay. Coronavirus definitely hit everyone pretty hard. Me especially had some personal things and tragedies that having to deal with, but we are actually back and able to talk about something that we had planned for a couple of months ago, yeah. which is... Holy shit, the census. You think after holy shit, you'd hear coronavirus no. or Trump, but no, census. Census is right now. Census is happening. Well, and it's crazy because I think we started recording this episode right as things were starting to get going. And I know we had a conversation about like, well, if this gets worse... It got worse. It's going to be kind of a blast from the past to hear, like, especially our interview with Justin. Mm. That was back when you were able to go into people's offices and stuff. Well, but it was still weird. It was still weird because people were starting to kind of back off in-person meetings. and The New York City pause didn't happen yet. The before. We were still assuming that the census was going to be on its standard schedule. And it is not. That census schedule has been changed and delayed and pushed back repeatedly, especially because door knockers. Do you really want someone coming and knocking on your door? And nobody wants anybody knocking on their door right now. That's going to start happening on August 11th, apparently. That's the official as of this recording right now. The 30th of June. Like, let's be clear, like, the original restaurant indoor dining was a week from today. That's not happening anymore. This is one of those episodes where you should also be going to our website, to our show notes, where we will actually have much more up-to-date stuff because things are changing day by day. From the Census Department, August 11th, people are going to go out and door knock. And that is kind of the first big deadline for everyone to start doing their online. Hopefully approximately 60% of Bay Ridge has already done their online census responses. Or else I did all of my math very wrong because good job, Bay Ridge. Like Mm -hmm. you are at about 60% response rate. Bay Ridge, you are almost above average when we look (laughs) at the entire country. Not quite, but almost. But compared to Brooklyn... 10% above. Mm -hmm. Brooklyn as a whole is at Mm -hmm. 50. New York City, 58%. New York State, 57%. So when compared to just New Yorkers, Bay Ridge is above average. Although there are some qualifiers. Number one, the eastern part of Bay Ridge is actually below average, below the Brooklyn average even, which is very low at 50. And Brooklyn, I think, is currently the lowest out of all the boroughs in New York City. And that's worrying. You know, Dan, it just occurred to me, we should probably back up half a second and like tell people what the census is, because we're assuming an awful lot diving right into these numbers. So just to be very, very clear, because we want new listeners and new arrivals who may not be as plugged in as our longtime listeners to understand. The census is a count of every person who lives in the United States, takes place every 10 years, and the census results determine trillions of dollars in federal funding. It determines district lines of who's representing you at the local, state, and federal level. 
It determines the funding for schools. It determines the funding for any kind of community resource hospitals. When they say we have X number of infections per 100,000 people, we know what that means in the grand scheme of things because we have a count on the census. And in 2010, Bay Ridge was dramatically undercounted, and you'll hear that later on from Justin Brennan. And that had serious knock-on effects, and it's not just, you know, Hospitals, it's also grant funding for nonprofits and things like that, social services, a lot of stuff. And sadly, the hard-to-count areas are precisely the areas that need that the most. And in some ways, that's not really Bay Ridge. Other spots in Brooklyn honestly need that way more than we do, so let's acknowledge neighborhood privilege here a little bit. But Eastern Bay Ridge, those areas are still doing below even Brooklyn's rather atrocious 50% response rate. And that's after at least four or five months of the census being out. We plateaued around April. So if you're one of those people who's been waiting around, do it now, absolutely. And Pause the podcast. Go do your census. My2020census.gov. We're just going to assume for the rest of the show that you've done it because the rest of the stuff we're going to talk about is how to talk about it with other people. And that's really important because especially after Trump did all of that damage trying to make people think that there is going to be a citizenship question on this thing, it's dramatically important that all of our listeners who are, I'm sure, amazing progressives and activists are trying to get tabs on us. (laughs) Yeah. And all of you Republicans that are just like secretly hate listening. This matters to you, too. It absolutely does. And you'll hear later on in the show from local activists who have been trying to get the word out, and we're going to talk with them about some of the strategies that they have been using as well. So I'd say one of the first things, if we want to dig a little deeper into how the census really has affected Bay Ridge, we got to go to Justin. Always got to go to Justin. (laughs) And we went to Justin. We physically went to Justin and sat in his office. And this was back in what, early March? This is from forever ago. At many moons. (laughs) So do not freak out about the apparent lack of social distancing on this one. (laughs) Our second one with activists happened a little bit later, and you'll definitely hear the audio quality of a recorded Zoom call. But Yeah, because Justin's been on the front lines of actually dealing with the New York City budget. Which they are voting on today. As we record this, they are voting on. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's going to be a whole other thing. Lucky (laughs) them. I'm going to have analysis to do after this recording's over. Anyway, (laughs) let's go over to Justin. Hi, Justin. How are you? Hey, how are you? It's been a while. Yeah, long time no talk. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the census. The census? What's that? Uh, why don't you tell us what the census <laughs> is? <laughs> well, I mean, the census is a fancy way of saying it's the way that you tell the federal government how many people live in a certain place. The reason why we want them to know how many people live here is because it dictates how much money they're going to give us and how much representation we're going to have and how much power we have because they base that on population. So it's a basic count so that we get the resources that we deserve. And it's something that if we don't get it right, which 10 years ago we really didn't, Mm -hmm. it haunts us for quite a while. And it haunts us in ways that you'll forget about. And you'll say, oh, I'm still getting screwed because we messed Mm -hmm. up the last census. So this is an important time, but it's a crazy time in our country because it's, it's a time when people might have understandable anxiety and fear over telling the government anything, certainly with this administration, but it's incumbent on local leaders and local groups to make sure people know that this is actually a way to put power back in the hands of the people. It's not giving over power to the government. It's about 
letting the government know how many people are out there. The federal government has really been withdrawing from this process under the Trump administration, which leaves the states and cities with a lot of room to make up. Um, And I know there's been a lot of work in New York and specifically from the city council. Can you talk a little bit about what's been happening? There are bills that I'm working on on the city level that really admittedly would be much better suited to be done on a national level, Mm. whether it's stuff around like data privacy. But because there's so much inaction in DC, and not to mention the priorities of progress are certainly not the priorities of this president, Mm. it now becomes up to the city and the state and municipalities and states around the country to take power into their own hands because we can't wait for the federal government to do the right thing because they've shown us that they won't. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a great reason why people should really embrace the power of the census because the fact that the the federal government is withdrawing from it obviously is a problem, but it also shows that they're afraid of it because they're afraid that this really does put the power back in the hands of the people. So that's a reason why people should embrace it and not be afraid of the census. But on the city and state level, it's us making sure that we earmark money to go towards getting the word out there about the census. And a huge part of it is making sure that the folks who go out there to actually collect the information are of the community and are folks that when they knock on your door, they speak the language, literally and figuratively. You know, they know that most people call Bay Ridge Parkway 75th Street. Um, You need people that know that stuff. And you need people knocking on your door that look like you. And so people can explain on a real human level why this is important. So the city and the state make sure to leverage our different relationships with local community-based organizations to help us get the word out and to actually hit the ground and knock on doors in a quasi-political campaign. The same way you go canvassing for a candidate, you're going to go canvassing to make sure that everyone gets counted. You know, I remember hearing stories 10 years ago about some of these folks they had collecting census data were like, just writing off entire buildings as being vacant. Oh, no. I mean, are you... Are <laughs> the you, inaccessible I mean, are building. You, are you kidding me? I mean, you know. So um, I think it showed that we had some like housing surplus. I'm like, are you got to be oh kidding me. Oh, my God. Me. But this is what happens when you have, you know, bean counters, right? I mean, making sure you partner with those groups that know the neighborhood is going to get you an accurate count. And you're going to have people who know that you got to go through the side door. Right. right. (laughs) Well, and I mean, I guess that's really for Bay Ridge, especially where we've seen a lot of political activism, a lot of people going to campaigns. We actually have a pretty good uh, trained core of people who know how to do that. Sure. I mean, we have a very, very civically engaged community here, which is great. This is a completely nonpartisan, apolitical thing. They don't divvy up funding based on Democrat and Republican, right? They Mm -hmm. divvy it up based on how many people we say we have. You know, for me, it's about explaining to people that responding to the census is going to affect your bus and subway service. It's going to affect how many new schools we get built. It's going to affect how much money we get for our parks. And it's that simple. I think a lot of the stuff that we gripe about can be traced back to how many people live here. When you were running, one of your campaign promises, which you have kept, was starting a new school because our schools are so overcrowded. Yeah, it's insane. That seems like something that would go directly back to this. Absolutely. If you don't, it's it's real, look, it's a really simple thing. If you don't know how many people live here, then you don't know the needs of the community. You don't know the breakdown of the community as far as demographics, as far as ethnicities. Like you need to know this stuff for basic services. Look, one of the ways we saw certainly was in Translation services at the polls. Mm-hmm. I mean, 10 years ago, not only were they writing off entire apartment buildings as being vacant, they also completely had their heads in the ground as far as 
the massive Arabic-speaking population that we have here. When we first started sort of doing battle with the administration over the lack of translators at the polls, we didn't understand where the resistance was coming from. It was like, guys, you know that Bay Ridge has a massive Arabic-speaking population. Like, everybody knows this, right? Or at least we thought they did. So we're like, where is the disconnect? Where, where, why are you guys saying that we don't need Arabic speakers at the polls? And it turns out that it dated back to 10 years ago from the goddamn census because they undercounted yeah. or they didn't count or whatever it was, you know? Well, that, um, that, I mean, that's a big problem because there was a push to get a designation on the census for Middle Eastern right. and North African, and they went through the right process and the administration took it off. Right. The deck is stacked against us, right? So these are the rules they've set. We're going to play within their rules, but we need to really get the word out there so people understand how important this is and how six, seven, eight years from now... When something comes back to bite us, we realize it was because we messed up 10 years ago, right? Like when we started having the real issues with the poll sites, no one thought about the census because it was so far in the rearview mirror that it was like, oh, that's why. That's right, why. Right. And sure enough, it was. So when you think about sort of that time bomb that's planted that doesn't explode until years later, that goes for everything, for our schools, for our subways, buses, the parks, everything where it's like, gee, why can't we get money to fix up our parks? So why Don't they know that our schools are massively overcrowded? Like, well, no, if we don't tell them that they're overcrowded, they don't know. So it's a lot of stuff, right? It's making sure people are not afraid and it's making people understand why this is so damn important. But it's a crazy time for you to be telling people to stand up and be counted, right? But if you make it into a really positive thing and you make it like, look, this is about being proud of where you're from and filling it out and saying, yo, this is where I'm from. I live here now and I demand X, Y, and Z and I deserve the proper representation and that's how you get it done. So that's what we're hoping that a lot of the um, the community groups will help us with and sort of vouch for this being a, uh, an important part of civic life, you know? So one of the things that the census can really affect is healthcare funding. And particularly right now, we're recording this probably in like week, week two of the US starting to take coronavirus seriously. Yes. And hopefully by the time everyone's listening to this, we will be far past it. But seniors specifically are very vulnerable, and we live in a natural, not, uh, naturally, atter- naturally, naturally occurring occur- retirement community. <laughs> yeah. 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 In what ways would a more accurate census count have helped us be better prepared for a health issue that specifically affects seniors like that? I mean, it's a good question. I mean, I think it all goes back to if a virus is out there that they say, okay, the senior population is especially vulnerable to this. You and I can sort of anecdotally jump up and down and say, we have a lot of seniors out here, but there's some guy who's going to pull up data and look to see where there is a high population of seniors. And if we're not properly counted, they're not going to know that. People that live in a certain neighborhood, you take things for granted, right? Like we all know that Bay Ridge, this area is naturally occurring retirement (laughs) community. You know, we all know about different emerging immigrant populations and longstanding immigrant populations. You and I know this, but the government doesn't know this stuff, right? And I think we take that for granted. So when it comes down to it, I go back to the poll translators. Like it was impossible. We were banging our head into the wall because we had people who completely understood what we were saying, that we needed, desperately needed this. And we had people that were very familiar with the neighborhood, but the money for what we needed was not there because it wasn't allocated because the data didn't reflect what was actually going on on the ground, you know? And at that moment, there was nothing we can do. We were really held hostage by that. One more thing. I think a lot of people, when they think about the census and representation 
think about Congress and think about they're saying like, oh, New York could lose some seats. But that data underlies city council districts, state districts, Everything. all of that as well. Absolutely. So it's not just about your representation in Washington, but if Bay Ridge is undercounted, yeah. what happens with our city level? Absolutely. Well, you're going to see redistricting happen now where you're going to have you know different lines being drawn and you know different neighborhoods. If there's a neighborhood that's grown by leaps and bounds, it might get put into a different district so it gets more attention, that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, that's... It's super, 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 super important. <laughs> but again, it's a way for us to get past the anecdotal, you know, oh, this neighborhood or that neighborhood is gentrified and there's so many new people living there. It's like, all right, well, let's actually, let's put it to the numbers and let's figure it out. Our schools are so overcrowded, but it doesn't make sense because everyone's leaving the city. They're fleeing the city and going to Florida. Like, okay, we're going to see, you know, we're going to, we're going to figure that out. But it's incumbent on us like to make sure it's accurate. But yeah, the thing that makes it so important to me is just realizing that it's got to stick for a decade. The world is going to be a, just a markedly different place 10 years from now. So we, we got to get it right. We'd really want to thank Justin for sitting down and talking with us. We now know why it's important locally, but we really don't know how. So we gathered together a couple of people to really talk about what we can do as activists to kind of push this forward. Because I'm sure, you know, if you're an activist in your head, hey, flyering. I'll I'll do a pop-up event. I'll You can't do a pop-up know, event. There's a plague. You can't do that now. All of the traditional <laughs> strategies are gone. It's much more personal this time around, I'd have to say. This is about talking with friends, family members, neighbors. So we're going to talk with Andrea, who's representing Fight Back Bay Ridge, and our other co-host Mary, who is representing the Arab American Association of New York. Thank you. Hello. So, Andrea, what have you been working on and for who with the census for 2020? So I was working with a local group, Fight Back Bay Ridge, basically just like raising awareness about the census. Our goal was, obviously, we're not doing this now, but our goal was also to do some pop-up events throughout the neighborhood to reach people who may not otherwise feel comfortable filling out the census. We were working on an event, especially like somewhere in North Bay Ridge to reach out to the Arab community. But some things that we did get done was we got some flyers distributed throughout the neighborhood in local businesses. And what we're doing right now is really encouraging people to share information about the census on social media. If there's anybody who you also feel comfortable sharing census information with, friends, family. I personally posted about it in my work Slack account, (laughs) um, just letting people know that they can come to me if they've got any questions about it, um, that this is really important, sharing the link. It's actually really great now that the census is online for the first time ever because it makes it a lot easier for people to fill out while they are at home. Um, So it is really unfortunate that we can't do in-person events, pop-up events, especially for people who might not have good internet access or who don't feel comfortable filling out the census without, say, an interpreter or somebody to help them. But this is the world that we live in now. So it's super important right now for people to use their social media accounts to spread information about the census in whatever way they can. And we're just going to go forward from there. Uh, Andrea, what did people say in your work Slack when you asked them if they'd filled out their census? That is a good question. So everybody was 
either people didn't respond or people responded and said, good job, Andrea, you're doing your civic duty. Uh, (laughs) I've had nothing but positive responses from people who I have reminded about the census. It's a good thing for everyone to do, no matter what political beliefs you may have, it's still important for you and your family to get counted. Agreed. Especially because I know that a lot of different groups were also banking on, say, block parties this summer, all of the summer strolls. There was supposed to be a lot of outreach that happened around that. Specifically, there were supposed to be some new block parties that were happening this year that were focused around Ramadan. And Mary, you been on the podcast before. You are one of our co-hosts. You also work at the Arab American Association of New York. So what have they been working on and how has the virus so far impacted that? And what have they done to course correct? Yeah, the Arab American Association has a census team of organizers working on the census, doing tons of informational sessions and outreach events. Of course, at AAANY, we're very concerned about the census because there are certain groups of people that are considered difficult to count populations. And one of those groups is immigrants. And another of those groups is children. And for whatever reason, people don't count their children on the census, even though they're human beings that live at that address. And so, you know, counting immigrant children, forget about it. Well, don't forget about it. Respond to the census and remember to count the kids. <laughs> and I think like a lot of organizations, Triple NY's plans have really had to change as a result of the closures of the New York State pause. Whereas maybe in the past, we would have thought we would be focusing on door-to-door canvassing, door-knocking, and we've had to really focus into just pouring everybody into social media, into texting and phone banking, and probably a lot more direct mailers than we initially would have planned. There's a huge need for volunteers, both for phone banking, calling people, reminding them about the census, and also text banking and texting people. AAANY, our office on Fifth Avenue is closed, but all of the departments are still working from home. So for example, I work in the adult education department and we're running online ESL classes and citizenship classes. As Andrea mentioned, internet access is a huge issue. So most of our classes are focusing on things that can be done on a smartphone. I would have been doing census-based English lessons anyways, Now I'm just doing that with a fun, did you fill out your census virtual background on Zoom? Honestly, the virtual background thing is just something that occurred to me earlier this week. And I called up my coworker and I was like, we can do this, right? We can just make a graphic, throw a logo on there, put the my2020census.gov website on it and I'm good to go. I love it. (laughs) Go to the show notes. For the episode, you'll probably see a couple of Zoom backgrounds you could download. So if you're doing just nothing but remote work Zoom sessions or whatever it is, throw the backgrounds up there. Why not? And also because internet access, like you guys just mentioned, is a problem, remind everyone also that they can just call the census department with your regular old phone and fill out the census that way as well. So make sure you get that to people who might not be very adept at using online tools. I mean, I think if you sit and think about it for 10 seconds, you'll think of a dozen ways the census affects you. My program, the adult education program, is funded by 
several grants from the state and the city, but uh, money that's available is allotted to different neighborhoods, you know, based on the census count from 10 years ago. Yeah, so if you're interested in learning more about Fight Back Bay Ridge and what we're doing, I suggest following Fight Back Bay Ridge on Twitter. That's at Fight Back BR, um, Fight Back Burr. The Arab American Association is training volunteers for phone banking and texting. That's exactly the kind of activity that you can do from home if you're self-isolating and practicing your social distancing. So the best way to get connected there would be to contact our census captain, Ashley Gibson. You can email her at Ashley, that's A-S-H-L-E-Y, at ArabAmericanNY.org. You can email her directly or you can use our sign-up link, which I'm sure I can give to Dan and you can find a place for that in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. And what does the volunteering, would you say, look like? We would send you a list of potential respondents to contact, either by calling them on your own phone or by texting. If you are shy about using your own number, there's ways to anonymize your number or use a Google Voice number. And just finding out if people have already answered the census, do they need help answering the census, do they need translation, referring them to AAANY for translation or to a hotline to get um, some language access so they can go ahead and fill out their census. Thank you both for coming on the show so quickly and just giving your feedback on what your census outreach has been so far. Sure thing. Thank you. So, Rachel, one of the things that I kind of get from what other local activists are really working on is that this really has turned into a digital push take advantage of the fact that for the first time ever, the census is available online. Well, and thank goodness it was. I mean, when you look at the stages that they collect census data in, it used to be that the first stage was sending a mailing to every single home in the United States. And you can imagine, I mean, the more people who initially responded online, the fewer number of envelopes they would have to send out. And the same way, the more people who respond early, either you can continue to do it online or you can respond with paper copy the fewer people they will have to send out. And that's the most expensive part of the data gathering is you actually have to pay people $25 an hour, if they're still hiring, to go out and knock doors and talk to people. And that's something that typically would have already started. But it became very clear as New York was kind of in the height of our pandemic response, which is now we're seeing cases skyrocketing across the nation. So who knows if it will be pushed back even further they pushed back that door knocking and they're looking at possibly even getting results later than they normally would. Yeah. And I know we started off by saying, you know, good job, Bay Ridge. And we start on a little bit of a positive note for us, but the budget for the census as a whole was cut dramatically on a federal level. And for the first time this year, you're seeing that New York City itself has a liaison department to focus on the census, which is the first time that's ever happened, believe it or not. If anybody's looking for up-to-the-minute information on that, you should be following Julie Menon on Twitter. She's the census person who has all of the info on the census. And that's really important. Even New York City had to step in and fix the federal government's attempts to mess with this census. Well, and not every state did. I mean, if you look, I believe Texas, for example, had not allocated local funding or state funding for the census. And 
when you look at the groups that are traditionally undercounted, it's rural populations, it's children, it's non-English speakers, all of which has a knock-on effect. You, know, you don't know schools, you don't know what, what kind of assistance you need in rural areas. And for non-English speakers, as we talked about with Justin, it can mean the difference between being able to have a ballot in your language. But even beyond that, 60% response rate is not what we even got from the last census. Because what we're talking about is the self-response rate. Self-response rates are much more accurate because it's done when people are doing it on their own, in their own time, and it implies that they genuinely trust the census. If you go door knock, the accuracy of that data does crater. So the U.S. census itself wants to always push for self-response rates being high. It does not really want to send door knockers out because there are people who forget, oh, do I have to count my kids? Should I just say me and my wife, but not my three kids? And yes, count your kids. Like, it's also that door knockers at this point are going to be going out months and months and months after when the census officially is supposed to be taking a snapshot of the country, which is supposed to be a snapshot of what the country looked like on April 1st. So door knockers are going to have a hard time convincing people like, no, 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 if you're if you're grandfather was not here on April, but he's here now, you need to count him for where he was then. So the data gets a lot more muddy. That's really important because one of the things, you know, we talk about funding, we talk about resources, but the data that underpins the census actually underpins almost any kind of national you know, business decision that could be made. And businesses rely on census data to figure out where they're going to open. They rely yeah. on census data to predict you know, what their markets are going to look like. And although I know a lot of us are slightly less committed capitalists than the average, (laughs) it is still important that those decisions be made accurately and not on faulty data. Take your time whenever you have a spare moment and you find something that you could connect back to the census. Like Andrea said, just jump in. Like her work did not really care that she had a census 2020 background going on in all of her Zoom calls. I'm sure if, you know, you encounter that standard Facebook trope locally of people complaining why Whole Foods doesn't open in Bay Ridge or something, you can go and say, hey, if there was better census data for Bay Ridge, there would be more accurate demographics data for companies to decide whether they wanted to open a store here or not. Start being that kind of emissary, especially because while Bay Ridge as a whole is like at 60%, the averages that we're getting here are for census tracts. And census tracts are not evened up by population. So that 60% doesn't really mean that 60% of Bay Ridge has been counted. It means that on average, the census tracts show about 60%. And the good ones are like down by the water, lots of single family housing, what you'd expect. And those areas should be more accurate because it's easy to figure out addresses down there. Yeah, Areas like Northern Bay Ridge, weirdly enough, between 81st Street and 86th Street, down by the water, is really, really bad. It's only like 48%. The lowest we have is 46%. There are huge chunks of Bay Ridge that really need a boost. So I would very much recommend going and looking at our show notes, checking that map out, seeing if you live in an area that has Uh, below 60% or just any of them. See if you can move those numbers up because we will be updating them throughout the census year. And let's see if we can push Bay Ridge's 46% areas up above the average and really just make Bay Ridge glow green. So we had a kind of loose episode today. We hope that most of you understand the importance of the census and have already done it. We just want to really remind you some of the nuances, give you some more information so you can go out 
and really spread that knowledge. And we are going to be back in August once door knocking starts, and we're going to have a episode of the Triborough, which is not the bridge, but the proposed rail line that was supposed to start in Bay Ridge. And then uh, we had a budget shortfall. They committed to funding a study, and I'm pretty sure that that's not going to happen anymore. But it's still an amazing idea. One of the major transit proposals that could solve equity problems across the outer boroughs between communities of color and moving it away from Manhattan centralization. So look forward to that. What are, what are some other things people can look forward to in the months to come? I think we got to talk about Nicole Maliotakis, Rachel. I think we got to talk about, we got to talk about Nicole Maliotakis. We started off this show and this is our 50th episode. So <laughs> forgive the navel gazing a little bit, but we yeah. started off talking about a very specific thing about John Quaglione, who is running for our city council. John's been a super dude during the coronavirus. He's had his head on straight, as opposed to some other people from that election who are straight up bonkers. Bob Capano, I'm looking in your direction, doing like, what is it, the lupus drug medication thing and retweeting that bull- Yeah, he was seriously retweeting that bullshit. Like- But yeah, to be fair with Caglione, we really just genuinely had a problem with how he was legislating those bills. As far as Nicole is concerned, it's hard to have a problem with somebody's legislation when there's barely any of it to go (laughs) by. And honestly, I think that that's going to be an interesting thing to look at. Oh, are we going to do spoilers? Why not? Yeah. So so basically, since she's been in, the one bill she's passed, it looks like almost every term, is called on the official assembly website relates to extending the time period for the conveyance of lands for the establishment of the Gateway National Recreation Area. And this is the kind of thing that we really want to do for Nicole is not just rehash crappy talking points of do nothing Nicole. I want to see what bills she's really passed and how does she legislate? Can she write a bill? Let's see if she would actually be anything more than someone who would stand on a soapbox if elected to Congress. Maybe she'll offer some Red Bull to low energy Donald Trump. And I mean, to be fair, we don't have six Democratic primary people to interview this time around. So that's what <laughs> six episodes we can focus on. Oh, man. Looking oh, back, boy. that was oh, that was the uh, trial by fire that really made this show. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> made me realize, hey, I got to get good at editing and audio quality and all this stuff. Back then, did you want to barf whenever you heard the podcast? Oh. Looking at his face on the Zoom screen, Dan definitely wanted to barf. <laughs> I kind of want to provide some fun behind the scenes stuff just before we close out, which is the most embarrassed and scared I think I've ever been on this podcast. This was very early on, inviting people to my house, basically, where our studio is, to my upstairs side bedroom, and my house is kind of gross. The studio's now kind of nice, but even back then, the studio wasn't very good looking. Like your your garage band, but in a tiny, tiny bedroom. Oh, yeah, it was was just weird. And inviting all of these congressional hopefuls in was very frightening to me. But the most frightening of all was Max Rose. The interview went okay. Um, We don't align on everything. We do align on some things. Wasn't it like during one of the um, debates, Maliotakis implied that he was a socialist because he didn't wear a tie? Didn't imply. I was working on Max's campaign at that point, and we had an intern sitting behind her, and the intern afterwards says she leaned over to whoever she was sitting next to and said, he's not wearing a tie. That's how you know he's a socialist. And I gotta say, (laughs) anybody who thinks Max Rose is a socialist needs to hang out with more socialists. But the scariest part was when I took the audio off of our uh, mixing board and went to look at it, 
and had deleted the entire interview accidentally. My jaw just hit the floor. I'm like, did I just do that? I like had clicked the delete button accidentally while trying to transfer it. And it was such a rookie mistake. Normally you have two SD cards in or you're like triple recording somehow. I just deleted the whole damn thing. It was gone. If anyone has ever doubted Dan's technical prowess, Dan put the entire episode back together from, I believe, like bit files or something. The way that the um, mixing board records is it records in two second chunks for every single track. So we had three tracks in that episode for each of our mics. And they all were jumbled and not ordered when you did a disc recovery of that SD card. So I had about a million and a half two second clips from multiple tracks that were unnamed that I literally had to jigsaw together over the course of two weeks because I just did not want to have to invite Max Rose back to my house again. Oh. Uh, Max is okay. Oh. Like we differ, but then then again, like especially as we're going into 2020, you can disagree with your electeds on things. It's fine. But you also shouldn't be like going way out into conspiracy paranoia land and saying that just because they disagree with you on one thing doesn't mean that they're evil. <laughs> So those are some things you can look forward to now that me and Rachel are back together. We are co-hosts yet again, and the podcast continues on into our 50th episode and beyond. Thank you all again so much to our listeners. When we started this, we, we did not. We had no idea this would work. Did not, not the, uh, what is it? Three years later and 50 episodes, just about three years later, in fact, because I think we started planning in August and our first episode went up. In around October, right? I think so. When we started this podcast, one of the things that we vowed is that we would never take advertising dollars. We would never sell your listening time for our benefit. Um, and over time, that has meant that Dan has invested a lot in equipment. Everyone has invested a lot of time. And don't worry, we're still not taking advertising dollars. <laughs> At the same time, like we decided now that it's our 50th episode and we hope we've proven ourselves just a little bit, maybe when we should have waited till we got to uh, 200 episodes. But we finally put out a Patreon account. So if you guys want to, you can say thanks with a couple of bucks a month. All of it goes right back to the podcast. We actually are trying to be just as factual and open about that Patreon as we are on the show about what we talk about. So there will be a list of all the things that cost the podcast money and all of the various tiers and goals just directly relate to exactly how we will spend that money. So it does not go to me or Rachel or anything like that. It just goes right back into the podcast and... You know, after a certain break point, um, maybe we can start getting some cool stuff for the podcast, like some cool mapping software to improve some of our election analysis and all that stuff could possibly happen in the future. But really, it's just our way of letting you say thank you if you feel like saying thank you in that way. Or you can also just tweet at us and tag us. That also makes our hearts feel warm and fuzzy. Yeah. Once we are able to go back to restaurants in like a hundred years, just saying hi out in public is always lovely and makes my heart flutter. Acknowledging you're not embarrassed to know us. <laughs> I'm just always astounded when someone recognizes me on the street and doesn't want to yell at me for uh, causing bike lanes in this neighborhood to happen. Damn you, you bike lane human. <laughs> and it seems like there are a lot of new folks out there yeah. who are, you know, plugging into the activist world in Bay Ridge. And welcome! 
follow us on Twitter at Radio Free BR, on Facebook at Radio Free Bay Ridge. Definitely check out our website at RadioFreeBayRidge.org. That has a lot of analysis and other cool stuff, as well as community archive. In fact, for the census, we have an amazing live recording from last year of all of our elected officials and the city agencies all coming to Bay Ridge to the Ann North Social Center to talk about how they want to structure outreach for the census. And there's a lot of detail that we kind of briefly touched on in this episode that is really explicitly laid out directly from the horse's mouth in that recording. So that's our community archive, which has recordings of a bunch of other stuff. So look forward to that. And until next time, stay, stay free, Eric. Stay free, Eric.